you have your Bibles, please turn in them to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we are continuing in our sermon series on kingdom living, looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And right now we are finding, finding ourselves beginning in the, an in-depth look at the Lord's Prayer. And last week we looked at the address, our Father in Heaven, and this week we'll look at the first petition in the prayer. Matthew chapter 6, we will read the words in verses 9 through 13. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive, have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is God's holy word to us. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would teach us, specifically teach us about prayer. Help us to understand and see the words here of our Lord and how they apply our lives as disciples. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Have you ever, you ever thought about your name? Think about the, the name that was given to you by your parents. Names are important. They have meaning. There's a, there's a reason why your parents gave you your name. And perhaps your name is a family name. All my children are named after family names and there's a lot of meaning behind each name and why we gave each child that name. Names mean something. There's a reason that you have your name. As we read through the scriptures, we see that names are very important to the biblical writers. Uh, it doesn't take long to read through the Old Testament to begin to see that there's a reason why a person or a child was given a specific name. Perhaps their name was even Change to reflect a theological reason that was given during that time in the history of God's people. Uh, we even see places are given certain names because, again, something that Almighty God did amongst His people at that time. Names are very important. Well, God's name is no different. God's name is important. God's name has meaning. When you look in the scriptures, you see that God's name reveals his nature. His name means something. And throughout the scriptures, we see almost 200 different names given for God that have meaning. And so, knowing God's name helps us. It helps us trust him. It helps us know him. It, it helps us worship him. And so revering God's name, as Jesus is going to show us this morning, helps us to pray. Revering God's name helps us to pray. And that brings us to the first petition we find here in the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus teaches us to pray, hallowed be your name, in addressing God the Father. 
But just again, to remind you where we are here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is addressing kingdom living, and he's teaching his disciples how to pray because he knew, he knew that they would struggle with prayer. He knew there would be great confusion among God's people when it came to cultivating a life of prayer. And so he means to teach us what it means to have a a deep spiritual connection to the Lord God in prayer. And he taught us in the preceding verses that we're not to model our prayer after the Pharisees, nor are we to model our prayers after the pagans, the babbling on and on and on. And so we ask, how do we pray? How are we to pray to the Lord God Almighty? And Jesus says in verse 9, pray then like this. Here is your model. Here's how you're to pray. Not necessarily what, although using these words is very good and very good discipline of the Christian life, but this is how we are to pray. This is how we go before God the Father and we pray to Him. And so we see this prayer has an address, our Father who art in heaven, we looked at last week, and it's followed by six petitions, six requests that we make to the Lord. So we're looking at the first one this morning. The first three petitions are God-centered. They focus upon God and His glory alone. But the last three we will see are focused upon our personal needs, the things that we ask the Lord, that we request of the Lord on our behalf. The thing about this prayer is it's, it's simple. It's beautifully simple. We can easily model it. We can easily memorize it. We can easily use it as a guide in our prayer lives. And so in verse 9, the last line there of that verse, Jesus gives us the first petition of the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus tells us that we are to reverence God's name in prayer. Hallowed be thy name. That means we are to reverence God's name in prayer. And so I want us to look at just two things about this petition. Hallowed be thy name. The first thing is God's name is holy. And the second thing is God's name is to be hallowed. God's name is holy. And God's name is to be hallowed. Let's look at these two things. First, God's name is holy. Why the emphasis on God's name? Why is that the first thing that Jesus tells us to request of God. Why is that the first instruction, the first petition here in the Lord's Prayer? Well, quite simply, this request, this petition, is a reflection upon our chief end. It's a reflection upon the main purpose that we have in life, and that is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And the way we do this The way we worship Him, the way we praise Him, the way we adore Him, the way we glorify God is by praising His name. Why a name? Why doesn't Jesus say, hallowed be thy infinite power, or hallowed be thy infinite divineness, or something like that? Why a name? Well, because this is the way we know God. We know God by His name. Isn't that 
a beautiful testimony of the Christian life, that we know our God, that we know our Savior, that we know him by name. Thomas Watson, the old theologian, once said, as a man is known by his name, so by his attributes of wisdom, power, holiness, and goodness, God is known by his name. So what is the name of God that we are to regard as holy? Jesus just said, hallowed be thy name. He doesn't specifically say what name. John Stott says the name of God is it's not just a combination of the, word, of the letters G-O-D. There's great confusion among God's people this day and age when you say I'm Worship God, or I believe in God. Well, what what do you mean by that? Who are you referring to? Because in the scriptures, in the Bible, the name of God is a reflection upon who he is. His name references his character, his activity. And so in scripture, the name of God is, in essence, God himself. His name has meaning and purpose. For instance, to say that his name is Yahweh, the name of God that we find very often in the Old Testament, it means I am who I am, or I will be who I will will be, as it was revealed to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. He is the mighty God. Yahweh is the personal God. Yahweh is the, the covenant God, the God who says, I am your God, and You will be my people, and my name is Yahweh. God's name is, in and of itself, it's it's holy. His name is is separate. It's to be treated differently. Even when I say the name Yahweh, we're we're not really 100% sure that's how you say it. (laughs) Because the Hebrews were really superstitious about using God's name. And so when God revealed his his name to to Moses, throughout time in Hebrew literature, they would just write his name. It's called, and here I'm using another one of those words this week, so try to work it into your uh, conversations, the tetragrammaton. The tetragrammaton is just three consonant letters. That was his name. And they thought it wasn't to be pronounced because God's name is holy. God's name is, is set apart. It's, it's to be hallowed. And today we know from our understanding of Scripture and how Jesus has revealed himself to us that we can absolutely use his name and call upon him. God's name is holy. And that's why it's so important to explain or identify who God is in your theology. If you come to me and you tell me your testimony and you tell me that you love God and that God saved you, and that you've put your hope in God. At the end of that conversation, I'm going to ask you, now who are you talking about when you say God? Because God has a name. He's revealed himself in many ways throughout the scripture. He is Yahweh. He is the Lord Jesus. We'll get into that more here in a minute. God has a name. There, Like I said, over 200 names ascribed to God in the Old Testament. And all these names teach us about God, and they teach us how we are to relate to God and what he does for his people. 
But specifically, there are two names, Hebrew names, used for God in the Old Testament that I want to highlight for us this morning. These names for God, they really don't stick out well in your English Bible as you're just reading through them in English. Praise God that we have the Scriptures in our own language and English that we can read and know and study. But there are certain things about the Scripture that we need to know as they relate to the original languages of Hebrew and Greek. And in the Old Testament, written in Hebrew, there are two names for God that we need to know. The first is Elohim. You may have heard that before, Elohim. The name of God, Elohim, is the name for God that we find in the very first verse of the Scriptures. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that is what Elohim means, strong creator. It's the very first thing that we learn about God in the Scriptures. The Scriptures teach us that in the beginning there was God. He alone is infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being. He's the almighty creator, the God who is and was and will always will be. He's the, the ruler of the cosmos. And so there's meaning for the name Elohim to us. He is the strong creator. He is the God of the heavens and the earth. The God who created us and made us and sustained us. So we can trust in the one who spoke the world into existence. He is Elohim. So that name is used very often for God, the God of the Bible in the Old Testament. But there's another name that's used even more. and This is the personal name of God that I've already referenced this morning, and that is Yahweh. And so when you're reading your Bibles and you see in English, capital L, capital O-R-D, all capitals, that's referring to the personal name of God, Yahweh. This is the covenant name of God. The name, that, again, that I said before, he revealed himself to Moses. And subsequently, the name that is referenced to him personally throughout the Old Testament. The first time you see God reveal his name to a human is in Exodus chapter 3 to Moses. But you may go and read all throughout Genesis. Now, wait a minute. I keep seeing capital L-O-R-D all throughout there. And God didn't, didn't reveal his name until later. How does that work? Moses wrote Genesis. So Moses, proper theology and hallowing God's name, sees that it was Yahweh who created the heavens and the earth and who saved his people. Yahweh, the promise of the Savior made in Genesis 3.15, it was Yahweh. Who entered into covenant with Abraham and so the nations would be saved and blessed, it was Yahweh. Who delivered the Hebrews out of Egypt with his mighty hand? It was Yahweh. And who is the Savior of mankind? Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus says in John chapter 5 that he is Yahweh. He's Emmanuel. He is God with us. So these are the names of God that are holy. Perhaps the most telling thing about God's name that we are to, to take away as we study the Scriptures and as we look in the Old Testament and New Testament about His name 
is what the theologians call the creator-creature distinctive. (laughs) He is the creator. He is the almighty God. He is infinite, eternal. And we are man. We are his creatures. We were created. We are finite. He is holy. And we are not. And so the prayer of our Lord that he teaches us, and the first request that we are to make, is to see that God's name is holy. And we are to see our standing before him. He is holy. And his name is holy. That is our God. So secondly, we see that God's name is to be hallowed. Jesus says, hallow be your name. That's kind of a a weird word. (laughs) We don't walk around using those words. And even if you were to use that, somebody would stop and you go, wait, you're talking about Halloween? You know, is that what you're saying? No, hallowed. It's a a form of, of the Greek word for holy. And so the reason why we use the word holy is because we don't use the word holyfied. Holyfied be your name, God. That sounds weird in English. So therefore, the, the word is holy. I'm sorry, hallowed. See, I just did it. This word hallowed is what the Bible speaks of sanctified, to, to set apart, to be holy. It only occurs one other place in the New Testament, and that's also in Matthew's gospel. So to pray that God's name would be hallowed is, to pray, is not to pray that God may become more holy We're not saying, God, be more holy and holy, holy. No, he he is holy by definition. He is set apart. To hallow his name is to pray that his name may be treated as holy and that his name would not be taken in vain or despised by our words, by our actions. So to hallow is to set apart a thing from its common use to some sacred end. And so we hallow God's name. His name is holy. There's great concern in the Lord's Prayer. The first thing that Jesus says that we're to request or petition is the glory of God, specifically with regard to his name. God's name is to be treated holy. It's to be given all honor and all our respect because he is holy. The opposite of asking this petition or this request is the warning that's given to us in the third commandment, is it not? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain, so the third commandment says. So to profane the name of the Lord, to misuse it, that is to speak disrespectfully of the divine name or to treat his name lightly, do this, the Bible says, may cost you your very life, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who uses his name in vain. And so he is very passionate about his name and his glory. We are to reverence God's name, because as we revere his name, as we praise his name, as we worship his name... God's name is a reflection of who he is, and so praising his name is praising him. The name of God is God himself. 
through the revelation of his name. His name is holy. And brothers and sisters, we need help to see this. We need to pray this first and foremost, hallowed be thy name. We need the Holy Spirit to show us afresh the the holiness of God and our need to hallow his name. So you're probably thinking, I can't believe you're going to do another six sermons through all these petitions. Yes, I am. (laughs) There's a lot we've got to unpack here. But as we move through these petitions, and you know them, we've read them, you've prayed them over and over and over, and you see these six petitions, look down through those in your Bible and think about this. This is the only request. This is the only petition that we will be asking forever and ever. Think about that. This is the only, in a sense, eternal prayer request that we will hallow God's name. Once we are in glory, when the new heavens and the new earth has been established, the remaining petitions of this prayer will cease. We will not need to pray them anymore. His kingdom will have come. He will provide everything forever and ever. There will be no more forgiveness of sin needed. There will be no more evil. But we will praise the name of the Lord forever and ever. We will forever hallow God's name. Again, Thomas Watson said this. He said, the hallowing of God's name will be of great use and request in heaven. We shall be ever singing hallelujahs, which is nothing else but hallowing, the hallowing of God's name. Thomas Watson goes on to say this. He says, God's glory is of more worth than the salvation of all men's souls. When I first read that, I was like, wait a minute, what? That doesn't sound right. What well, is right? Because God's glory is the chief end of man. It's the supreme purpose in all of life and all of the cosmos. So the answer is yes. God's glory, his name being hallowed because that is who he is. And that is what all the universe is about, is to bring glory to God. John Calvin said this, he said, To sanctify the name of God means nothing else than to give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name, so that men may never think or speak of him, but with the deepest veneration. We worship his name. One of the the greatest prayers in the Bible outside of the Lord's Prayer is found in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. You've Heard it read and prayed in this church many times. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, we have the end of a very successful capital campaign by King David to build a temple for the Lord. And King David offers a prayer of dedication at the end of this campaign, at the end of all that God has done. And at the end of this prayer, he prays appropriately. And now, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. We are to praise, we are to hallow the name of God. We pray that God's name would be hallowed so that he may be recognized for who he is and what he is 
He is holy, holy, holy. So this prayer, as we get deeper and deeper, is the Lord's call to us to spiritual growth, to grow in prayer. We're to constantly be growing in our walk with Christ, and prayer is an area that Jesus means for his followers to go deeper and deeper into relationship with him. And the first thing that we request, the very first thing that is to come from our lips, the very first thing that we petition to the Lord is that his name would be hallowed. You know, one of the beautiful things about the Lord's Prayer is the purposeful balance that it strikes in who God is. Last week we looked at he is Father, yet he is in heaven, he is holy. And so what we may say here is that there's this great balance between the imminence, God is very near, he's a Father, and the transcendence, God is holy, he is other, he is set apart, his name is to be praised. And so this petition specifically, I don't think we can say it enough. I don't think that we can pray enough to fall upon our knees and praise the almighty, infinite Father. Praise his holy name so that we would be reminded afresh that he is holy. And life is about him and his glory and not us. Jesus means for us to see that first. And with all this focus upon his holiness, upon his transcendence, we invariably see that we're unworthy. We easily identify with Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 when he saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his road was filling the temple. And what was Isaiah's response? Woe is me. I am ruined. And so we say as well, in light of the holiness and transcendence of God, we are ruined. We are sinful. We are unworthy. And this this leaves us nowhere to run but to the cross. This table that is set before us this morning is a means of grace to remind us that the all-holy God who is and was and always will be, the one whose name is great and greatly to be praised, is the one who sent his one and only son to die for us so that we may live forever. Hallowed be thy name and what he has done. Let's pray. Father, we freely confess to you that in prayer, in life, and in worship, we, we jump immediately to ourselves. We, we, we think only about ourselves and our own, own needs, and we want to jump down to asking for daily bread and asking for personal needs we see that the very first thing we must do is hallow your name. And so help us. Help us to see afresh your glory, your beauty, your holiness. 
so that we may worship you rightly in the splendor of your holiness. Hallowed be thy name, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name.